watching again. Hello and welcome back to the Plastics Pod. It's me again, Maddie, and I'm coming to you after another rousing night of European football. I'm joined by Jacob Burke, all the way from Michigan. Hello out there! (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. And tonight, we will quickly go over the four games we watched Tuesday and Wednesday. Two from me and two from Jacob. Our hot takes, impressions, and all over feelings, now that the group stages are halfway over. All right, Jacob, are we cutting the small talk today? Are you getting right into Let, it? Well, you don't have to cut the small talk unless you want to. No, Depends it's okay. on like it's like you've muted me, so if you don't want me to talk, just say something. And uh, I accidentally muted you. You're you're back. Okay. <laughs> Let's see big things that happened to me within the last couple of days. I went to a nice uh, restaurant called Chiba in Dearborn, Michigan, and. It was lovely because we got there and we ordered this nice dish, which was lamb on rice, essentially. And uh, we, me and my parents, who I was out with, were getting to know the wait staff because my mom loves to talk. And uh, we got to know them really well. And basically, it, 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 as we were eating, it kind of spiraled into this thing where they would bring out dishes to test on us. And so we got like three or four extra things on the menu for free and a meal discount because we were being super friendly with them, asking like how their family was and come find out they also own a restaurant in Brooklyn. What's it uh, called? Right on Atlantic Avenue. And I am trying to remember, uh, just give me a second and I'll have it. What are the odds, uh, man? Obviously, when I get back, I'm going to be going to this restaurant and seeing what it's all about. It's Al Yaman Al Said. So that is where I'll be going. All right. It is right like near the downtown Brooklyn area. Oh, so, cool. All right. Right there. Should be all good. Right. What about you? Any cool stories? Anything to fill in? Oh, how about what I heard. There was an episode of a new show you're working on uh, yesterday. Maybe not new, but definitely like a, a reunion episode, like the Friends one. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we recorded you- a new episode of Brooklyn, which was the first podcast we had ever done. Uh, and it was me, Blair, Jacob, and our other roommate, Zach. And we rate beers. We had stopped uh, actually a year ago today was our last release of an episode. And so Zach and I had a little bit too much time on our hands and a little bit too much beer. So we invited our friend Michelle over and we recorded a yearly episode of Brooklyn. And uh, it'll go out tomorrow. So Thursday morning. And uh, it it went all right. We definitely missed Blair and uh, Jacob, but we got we got Jacob to call in while he was writing a. Wow, bike. I seemed like an afterthought for sure. Well, you were there. You were in the episode. Uh, that's true. I mean, I called in for like a minute. Yeah, right? he was riding his bike through traffic, which seemed super safe. It was. I was fine. <laughs> uh, you ever did you ever see the Friends reunion? Like the special on no. HBO? No. Did you? No. Oh, okay. No, like, I mean, I, so, like, I saw, like, the first time, but, like, the big takeaway for me 
it's like they, 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 they do this thing where they like it opens up to the you know the apartment studio like the uh monica's apartment in new york and uh you know you're supposed to feel nostalgic and then they introduce the cast characters one by one so uh david schwimmer who played ross walks in and the first thing you saw was just the sheer amount of plastic surgery this man has had uh, as he's tried to stay young and hip throughout the years. And, like, it's supposed to be the son of old thing. But, like, I just can't, like, I can't, like, see past it because it's like, dude, you're from, like, a wax museum. What's going on? I think the rest of the car- like the actors and actresses also had a lot of plastic surgery yeah, done. they've so. all had lots of plastic they all have lots of money. <laughs> I think the best one, uh, Jennifer uh, Aniston had the best plastic surgery because, like, I couldn't really tell that much. But, like, the others, holy cow. Like, uh, who was it? Um, who played Chandler? Uh, I can't think of his name. The actor that played it. Chandler, he was, he was pretty bad, too. You never watched Friends? No, I didn't get quite into, like, the New York sitcoms as you did. New York sitcoms oh i guess how about your mother is a new york sitcom yeah, as well and but, friends yeah i don't know that was uh do you think that skewed yeah, so like your those just did, do you think those shows skewed what you thought new york was going to be i'm going to assume your question was do you think those shows influenced my going to new york or or uh, skewed what... the answer oh for sure skewed yeah okay yeah because i well because like I, I, I like my my thought of New York was like Manhattan. That's it. But it's got a bunch of other stuff. So and like I live in the other stuff. So yeah, yeah, we do. Let's so let's let's get into it. Let's uh, get into it. Yeah. For, the format uh, is that we both watched two matches. Right? Yes, we so have. We we watched a different one the same time I was watching one, and that way we can cover four games, and we each get to inform the other on the takes uh, from each game. You know, players that are, like, in you know, good form, or if the other has questions about the game, we can, like, certainly answer it. And I have some brief notes written down from yesterday's game, and I think today's game is still fresh enough in my head where I can hopefully inform you. Uh, right. But let's, let's start... Uh, which, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Well, my game uh, was definitely not exciting as uh, yours on Tuesday. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch your game. We, we can get mine out of the way and then we can talk. Because I watched the end of yours because mine was, um, it was bad. Oh, you left? You left? Yeah, you left the game. It was it <laughs> okay. was really bad. And right. you and Blair were texting about the game you were watching, and I was like, "Man, that sounds like a lot more exciting than uh, Ajax versus Dortmund." Oh, what was the score? Uh, four to zero. Who won? Ajax. Okay. They, you got to get these basic facts out sorry, of the way because people may not have watched it. Ajax dominated this entire game. Uh, I think Dortmund had maybe 20 good minutes in the first uh, half and maybe 10 in the second. And it was a bloodbath. Ajax had this press. 
that was going 100% of the time. And Dortmund did not know how to deal with it. They were constantly being dispossessed. They looked unsettled. And Ajax were playing exciting and very defensive soccer that pushed the ball into their offense. Like they, they had no weak spots that Dortmund could try and push through. They were, they were playing a full, a full field press like the entire time. That's pretty impressive. Well, uh, by a full field press, I mean, uh, uh, I, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> by full field press, I mean, Dortmund really couldn't get the ball out of their own half. So it wasn't hard for um, Ajax to press because they were all up there anyways. So it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a good look for Dortmund. They had a couple of shots, and especially in like the second half, late second half, Holland kind of finally had a couple shots, but it wasn't anything that could have brought them back into the game. They just looked, they looked lazy. They weren't running to the balls. Their passes were easily readable. Ajax was there every, every turn, every pass. Um, Julian Brandt, he, he didn't look terrible on the ball, but if he was coming back for de- defense, he wasn't playing defense. He was watching them play defense. He didn't run two passes. He, he had decent distribution in the center of the field, but if, if the ball wasn't coming directly to his feet and if he had to get back on defense, he just wasn't there. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I actually are a raging hot side, so that is... Uh... I think that's what a lot of people that like Ajax are paying attention to Ajax are saying. And Ajax doesn't get quite as much press as other big uh, European uh, teams that frequent the Champions League. So that's, I think that might be as the experts were saying. Uh, I see Sebastian Haller had a really good game. Okay. The player that I kind of watched a lot for Ajax was Anthony. Um, I felt like okay. he had a really he, he. I think he's a. Let me see. Not a right winger. Right winger. Yeah. So right winger Anthony. Uh, he has a. He he reminds me a lot of Ariola for the U.S. men's team. Okay. He has a really good hustle. Um, he mainly sticks to his one side, but he had a lot of completed passes. He had a lot of touches. Um, he won a ton of ground duels. He uh, was fouled three times. He had a couple shots on target, and he had one or two big misses, but he had an 85% pass accuracy. He was pretty solid throughout the night and i think he i correct me if i'm wrong i think he scored one yeah he scored one yeah he did i uh, got a, a cool 80 minutes in looks like so that is uh that's i mean like that's i think one of the uh the big things about ix is they play this quick this quick soccer and especially when now i'm not going to say dortmund are uh, a easily breakable team, but they often get in their own way when it comes to trying to get above that level that Jurgen Klopp originally brought them to. They won the Bundesliga and they went to a Champions League final and then they really haven't gotten there at that point again. They 
they seem to trip over their own feet. So that that might be something that uh, Dortmund will be certainly worried about coming up because that was that was a pretty valuable group stage game for them. And I would have think they would have been happy with a tie because 4-0 at home might indicate another defeat on the on the other side of the fixture when they when Ajax come to Germany. Yeah, yeah. The announcer said something. I wrote it down. Uh, the body language of Dortmund out there is not looking good. Nothing is coming off for them. Everything is coming off for Ajax. And that was just the story mm. of the game. They've got some. They've got Dusan Tadic. He was a pretty. He uh, was influential. Guy. Yeah, he, him, him, and him and Anthony were feeding balls to Haller. It the the three of them working together were a thing of beauty. I mean, they had really good crosses. They I wrote down had really good passes within the eighteen. They were constantly moving the ball, and Dortmund didn't know how to deal with it, and their defense just broke down every single time. I see that Dortmund made pass. Veer, the IX goalkeeper, make three saves. Were any of those saves, like, did, was he, did he look strained? Did Dortmund ever come close to even scoring a goal? Yes. In the second half, late second half, Holland had a breakaway, I think, and he made the goalie make a pretty uh, pretty amazing save. Okay. Uh, uh, and he just wasn't able to convert? No, no, he, their, their strategy was to just bomb the ball down the field and Ajax knew, I feel like knew that was going to be their strategy because they had two people on Holland at all times, whether he was even by the ball or not, he was never unmarked and he was never left alone. Well, 538 has Ajax with a, 10% 10% chance to win the Champions League. They with a, which puts them fourth currently. They yeah, they just looked so dangerous. Dortmund had a 2% chance. So. <laughs> nice. Dortmund's goalie had a really good first half. The scoreline didn't reflect it. I think the defense just kind of broke down too much for Kobol to get a uh, hand on some of them, but I wrote down, it looks like Dortmund's only plan of attack is to try and get Holland the ball, but they have so much more than that up front. It's embarrassing, and they can't use him as a crutch. This isn't high school soccer. The best chances they have are when they have a couple passes tied together and pulling defenders outside their spots. Where do you see Dortmund in the future this way? I, like, I think they're going to make it out of group stages, but as a second-place team... Uh, do you see them making it beyond the group of 16? How, when, when does the group of 16? After January. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't because I think Holland's going to leave. You think he's going to leave in January? Uh, many teams are talking about it. Ooh, that would be big. That would be, that would be huge. Uh, I mean, he was looked at in the last transfer window, wasn't he? By like four different yeah. like, major teams. <clears throat> Usually, uh, the big spending happens in the summer, and then occasionally, like teams buy to deal with injuries or obvious holes that haven't been addressed. Uh, so rarely are big spending uh, sprees happen. Like, are seen, they're not they're rarely seen in the winter, but I, it could happen. I mean, okay, I didn't know, I didn't know New, that Newcastle are now a thing. And yeah, and that I think changes a lot of. Uh, <clears throat> 
what teams are going to kind of yeah, spend. Yeah, I very well could be. Uh, that would be crazy. But, that, I mean, it's certainly a possibility now because money does, seems to be less and less of a factor uh, with big teams. I was reading that Liverpool is in talks with uh, Holland as well. I mean, I think it's all just transfer rumors and not a lot of From it can who? be taken seriously. Yeah. It was somebody on Reddit. Oh, okay. It's possible. I don't know. I don't really keep up with transfer rumors or transfer business because it's so... And so many things can happen that it's almost... Unless you're making a career out of it like Fabrizio Romano is, it's not... It's just exhausting to try and follow. So... Unless it's about to happen or unless it's such a high-profile saga like Neymar or Messi or, like, Pogba, I, I don't really follow it. But, I mean, if Holland signs for Liverpool, that would, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know how he lined up. That's Yeah. But, like, a couple other teams are apparently in talks with him. So, I think it's all just rumors at this point. But I don't think... Dortmund is going to make it past the group stages, not with the way that they're currently playing. I don't, they did not play well yesterday at all. There, there was a lack of uh, enthusiasm. There was a lack of passes to the feet. Munier, he, I wrote, looks hella weak. <laughs> what happened? Did he get like bullied off a ball or something? <laughs> I said, no pressure from the defense. My God, Munier is looking hella weak. Munier missed passes, missed interceptions. Ajax's passing has been impeccable, especially in the 18. They're finding feet, and BVB is finding air. Mm, BVB is finding air. That's a good one. Yeah, Ajax had a 80% pass accuracy. Uh, although, uh, they had 19 shots. Uh, only nine of which were on target, and uh, Dortmund had ten, four of which were on target. So that's like similar ratios there. Yeah, I guess it really just comes down to the systems. So Emre Ten Hag is the coach for Ajax, and Marco Rosa is the coach for Dortmund right now. And I mean, you know, sometimes one team plays into another, and I guess that I mean. From what you said, it seems to have happened. So. Yeah. Ajax had uh, uh, Dortmund's number this game. You want to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Who did you watch? <clears throat> I watched Liverpool in Madrid facing Atletico. And boy, oh boy, was it a cracker. Liverpool edged past them 3-2 to two with a every single thing that happens in a match happened, really. So for anyone who didn't watch it, Antoine Griezmann had the perfect game. He had two goals and a red card. I think that is what every single striker aims to get every game. And now Atletico have really shot themselves in the foot because Antoine's out for probably the rest of the group stages, if I had to guess. Unless, like, I don't know how, if a red card's a one-match ban or a three-match ban, I'm not sure. This was a straight red. Because Antoine karate-kicked... Bobby Firmino in his moneymaker, and if you're not going to have Bobby's teeth out, I think that's grounds for jail. So, Mohamed Salah, a goal in the eighth minute. Uh, he dribbled past three defenders separately all the way out to the top of the 18 and fired a shot, uh, which was going off, but ricocheted off of James Milner's foot into the goal. They awarded the 
go to Salah, not Milner. I think it should have gone to Milner personally, mostly because he hadn't scored a goal in two years, and, you know, he could use it. But regardless of that, he becomes the first Liverpool player to score in, in nine games in a row, which is wow. I, a stat I wasn't aware of, and that's kind of cool. Then, Navi Keita, goal of the game. He tried like curls this uh, cross into the box and then it ricochets like basically back out and bounces to Navi and then as it's in the air Navi just like rifles it and it curls away from the keeper into the right side of the net absolute golasso and then Antoine scored two in quick succession and this was all in the first half of the game against Atletico Madrid which I thought it was going to be a 1-0, 2-0, 1-1 game uh, just because of the nature of the opponent, and this this was not it at all. I was surprised uh, pleasantly and stressfully. So Antoine Griezmann was absolutely deadly uh, in the attack. One of them was a, a deflection shot that he was able to put past Allison, and the other was a really nice play from Joao Felix, who was able to shrug off two of our players pass it to Griezmann. Griezmann has a nice one touch in the 18, which puts the ball past our defensive line. And he's quick enough to run past and then slot into the bottom right corner. It was really nice. I had to give it up to him. And then let's see other players uh, of the game to note. Uh, Liverpool were, I mean, obviously Salah was a, you know, the star performer of the night and, the press and the narrative about him being the best player will only continue if he keeps up these kind of performances. I think he's really at the peak of his powers currently, and this will naturally cycle into a discussion about his uh, new contract that Liverpool want to sign with him, and we'll see what happens there, whether or not he moves on or whether he stays. But I want to point out Koke, which who is a, a Spanish midfielder that plays for Atletico, he has this thing he does where he is a really good player and he uh, is able to press really hard and he's able to win balls back and he's really tough to get off the ball. But he also has this thing where he can just bomb balls upfield like diagonally, which just put balls past their defense. And you can see it because like usually – uh, Arnold, Alexander Arnold plays way up on the right, and so he would bomb balls up to Joao Felix. And I always kind of, my heart leapt into my throat every time because it, it was just so easy to get past our defense that way. And it was such a back-and-forth match that uh, I really didn't know what to expect. But we won with a penalty because Hermoso, Hermano? It was Hermoso, excuse me, follows Diego Jota in the box and basically just throws him down to the ground. Like he, he, he takes him and he pushes him down. Like it was the clearest penalty I've ever seen. And, uh, so I just puts it past the keeper, like no problem. And there was a questionable penalty for the, like, and not like three minutes later, there was a questionable penalty for Atletico because Jota throws Jimenez. Well, he, he like pushes Jimenez with his shoulder and Jimenez goes down pretty quickly. And then, uh, you knew Jimenez was trying to win the foul. But the question was whether or not, like, is that, an action warranting a penalty looked pretty weak. So went to the, uh, it was weak. I I thought it was a penalty though because I saw like every replay showed Jota's shoulder like like going forward and banging into Jimenez, and 
I just wasn't sure why that action, even though it was soft, it resulted in him going down. I didn't know why that wasn't a penalty. I'm not complaining, but I was confused. So I think Liverpool were lucky to escape this with a win. They were, they started off really, really well, really snappy, really dominant. And Atletico kind of grew into the match as the game continued to the point where they were suffocating Liverpool's midfield and we couldn't string a group of passes together for a nice play. It was very tough because Diego Simeon's sides are so well drilled and so mentally tough and they usually are better conditioned than most teams. So I think this the the Reds should consider themselves lucky to to win here, especially away and especially in the awful kits that they were wearing. So yeah. Wow. That's, that's some harsh criticism. <laughs> it was a weird weird it was a weird yellow and I just I didn't enjoy it. So Oh uh, I like anyway, it. yeah. Yeah, but you just, you like yellow things. I do. I do. Dortmund yeah. looked like highlighters, which was helpful in the beginning because they had lit off fireworks about five seconds before the game started. And so there was zero visibility on the uh, Dortmund side, but you could see them because they were just like little highlighters sticking out in like the fog. Do you have any questions for anybody? I, I, yes. I spoke a lot and it was a lot of stuff. Yeah. Who, who was... Um, who who do you think the player of the match between the two teams was? Yeah, uh, gosh, this is gonna. Or did anybody surprise a, you? This is gonna be a little controversial, but I thought Antoine Griezmann was the player of the match, and only because he ha- he had very few chances, and Atletico play in a way that uh, doesn't allow them many opportunities. And you have to use those. And he did. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see now how many shots he had. He had three shots, uh, two goals. It's a really, really good ratio, uh, especially when you get a red card in the 52nd minute. So I think, yeah. So who knows how many more, you know, shots he would have had and maybe more goals. He's a very good player. He got hampered at Barcelona because he played in a system that didn't suit him. But every time he plays for France, you can see the kind of quality this guy has. So it's, he's a really, really good player. Uh, he's terrifying. Jao Felix is a great companion piece to him as this uh, mover who's able to stay on the ball and make darting runs. That's just me. I know Salah got, I think he got player of the match that game because he converted the penalty and he's, he's, he's an amazing player. Uh, I just thought this game, Antoine did exactly what Atletico needed him to do. Uh, and I know he got a red card, but he was going for the ball. He wasn't even staring at Roberto Firmino. So I think it's like that is a red card, but it's not something you can necessarily plan for. He was just trying to get the ball. Yeah. So I it was it wasn't a red card out of like a stupid shove or getting into a fight on the field. It was just wrong place, wrong time. I was reading a bunch of I watched the replay of it, and at first, like it doesn't look like a foul right off the bat, and then they show the replay from a different angle, and you're like, oh shit, that was straight to the face. And all the yeah, comments, the cleats were right here yeah. on his 
And all the comments were like, honestly, that's a straight red right call, but there was no malice. He did not intend to do that. And you can tell, but like, obviously that has to be a straight red. I think everyone would have, especially, I maybe Antoine didn't like think about it (laughs) in the first moments because he was looking at the ball, but if he saw a replay, he's like, okay, that's probably fair. I have to imagine he said that. So yeah. How do you feel about Atletico's uh, chances? They're going to make it out of the groups, right? I think they have a very good shot. Uh, if I'm going to take a moment to look at the group standings right now before I continue this thought process. <laughs> yeah, Atletico stand at four points. Uh, they are actually tied with FC Porto there. And I think Atletico Madrid have the edge over FC Porto. I would have said Milan are also kind of a dark horse, but they have zero points. Yeah, rough start. I think that's I think that's too far down the the table to be a threat now. So I think the big thing will be is if uh, Atletico can pull a point off Liverpool in a tie, and if they can beat FC Porto, they're pretty much guaranteed in. So I think the current order of the table is how it will be at the end of the group stages. How do you feel about Liverpool, Atletico, Porto, Milan? How do you feel about Liverpool's chances uh, out of the group stages? Fantastic! I think they're gonna uh, go take it to take it to the crib, as uh, people who watch football say. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it, take it, take it to the crib. Which, which means uh, they're gonna go to the final. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's gonna be an Ajax versus Liverpool final. I think, well, I don't know, I don't know how the draws work, so I don't know which side uh, it'll end up being right, on. Right, right, yep. But I know two teams from the same country can't be in the same group, and therefore they can't be on the same side of the bracket. Gotcha. I think that's how it works. So, uh, if you want my opinion? The two best teams in Europe right now are well, yeah, are Liverpool and Bayern Munich. So I think yeah, one of those two is going to be in the final, if not both of them. All right, some hot takes. All right, I think so. I think I think I think I don't. I think that's a lukewarm take at best because Bayern Munich is such a they're hot right now, giant in Europe. Yeah, and Liverpool are in good form. Uh, they're I think a hot take would be to say that Sheriff make it into the knockout stages as the current leaders of Group D, might I add. Even though they just lost to Inter. They, they're at the top still. All right, I know. All I they know. have to I do know. is pull a tie and a win, I and I think they're set. Because that puts them... Inter are at four points, and FC Sheriff are at six. You don't think so? I think they can, though. I think that, like it's within them. There's a timeline that in, that Sheriff pull away four points in the next three games. I think Sheriff are going to make it out. I don't think Inter is going to make it out. I think it's going to be... Oh, you don't out. think Inter is going to make it out? Oh, you, you agree with me? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. All yeah, right. I think it's going to be <laughs> Sheriff and Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, definitely not Shakhtar, right? No, they, they've... Look, they've Shakhtar the bed. Hey, that's... There you go. Thank you. Jokes. I'll be here all week and weekend and next week, probably the following one. Let's segue into today's game. All right. So the next picture, Maddie, that you watched was 
Manchester United against Atlanta. And I think it was in Old Trafford in Manchester. You are correct. Let's see. This was a confusing game. I'm going to be honest. Atalanta are a fun team to watch, and Man U, I like to watch lose. So the first half, I was ecstatic. It was it was fun because Atalanta didn't have a ton of possession of the ball, but when they did, they made use of it and scored two goals. And Man U couldn't hit the broad side of a goddamn barn. It was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. That is. Wow. Okay. That was. I I know nothing about this game other than the result. <laughs> and you haven't said the result yet. Man U 3, Atalanta 2. Okay. So at halftime, it was Man U 0, Atalanta 2. Man U looked frazzled. Atalanta looked defensively impenetrable. They would, Man U would try and cross it in and Atalanta would head it out or the goalie would stop it every single time. It was, it was very impressive. Atalanta's center back, Demerol, Demerol, Demerol pulled his hamstring in the first 15 minutes. They had a sub prepped the entire first half. Demerol went on to score and play some amazing defense and every time he would do something he'd celebrate grab his hamstring and then continue celebrating wow okay he got subbed out at 45 and then the game kind of went to shit from there (laughs) i don't want to blame it on demerol like leaving the game and i think ole had some uh strong words to say at the halftime because they got booed going into the tunnel man you did yeah I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. At their own stadium, their fans were not happy. So the narrative has kind of shifted now, right? Yeah. So, and I think we said this in the last episode that, man, you had a really tough string of fixtures coming up. Atlanta being one of them, and then they face them again in the next Champions League game. Right. So... I think this is this was a pretty big win for OA, even though Manchester United didn't really play a good game of soccer. Until the second half. Yeah. So Atalanta's defense kind of lacked in the second half. Man U took advantage of it. Rashford was just shooting all over the place until he finally put one into the box. It was a one-on-one with the keeper, like... He should have put at least three in, um, but he was. Cristiano Ronaldo started as striker, and Mason Greenwood alongside him with Bruno Fernandez as the sort of creative controller here. We've seen this before Mm -hmm. with a string of other wingers, this time being Marcus Rashford, now back from injury, probably, among a lot of people, the mainstay for the left wing or right wing. What did you think of Marcus Rashford's performance? I thought he did, again, well in the second half. The first half, they 
they were they were taking a lot of shots. They still had a lot of possession, but just couldn't put anything away. And he had one goal, which he should have had a couple. He had four shots altogether. And he scored one, right? Yep. Yep. He he had an eighty six percent pass uh accuracy. He was he he was good at feeding the balls, but they just couldn't in the first half at least, couldn't get anything over Atlanta's first line of defense. And in the second half, I think they were a lot better at feeding the through balls. They had a couple of them go through. They had a couple of offsides called, but I think in the end, that worked the best because they took off Demerol. Demerol was really good at getting back. He was really good at tackling, but uh, I think he just couldn't continue at the pace he was going with his hamstring being the way it was. Okay. This looked like an ideal starting lineup for Manchester United, barring maybe Raphael Varane, who was injured. So I do think that uh, Victor Lindelof is their current playmaker as a center back, and Harry Maguire is their bulkier guy that makes the tough plays. However, Harry Maguire seems to be in a bit of a slump as a player, not really mentally turned on with he's been slow run of play yes do you think that coming rafael varan coming in would be a clear choice as a first team back do you think lindelof or mcguire get replaced uh currently i think mcguire i mean in the past two games on defense you have to be on all the time you have to be able to defend and yeah, Maguire uh, scored today, but he also made two mistakes in the Leicester City game that made them lose the game. He just he he looks slow. He looks um, not not as uh, energized to get to the defense. Not what they thought they were getting when they signed him, or not f- like figuring out his they're not communicating maybe i don't know he just doesn't look like he knows who he's marking and he's always late to the party well it could be a uh, could be a fault of the system could be a fault of the speed at which i don't to play they, they've had two very tough opponents so and it's not gonna get easier i guess we'll see all in all manchester united victory but maybe not deserved is what i'm hearing yeah, Bruno Fernandez had a really good game uh, distribution-wise, and um, he got back well enough, and he had really good uh, passing rate and touches. He, I think he had the most touches. He, he looked pretty strong. Uh, let's move on to our last fixture. <laughs> it was going to be Lille against Sevilla, but thank goodness I didn't watch that, and I watched Bar- uh, Barca, uh, Bayern Munich Benfica instead. Too many bees floating around here. So this one uh, was Bayern visiting Benfica. Bayern won four to nil with two goals from Leroy Zane and a goal from Robert Lewandowski. So this it, this is a deceptive scoreline. Okay, you look at this scoreline and you think, oh, Bayern going about business as usual, smashing another team cruising through the Champions League group stages, I will 
like to note to the listeners that Benfica are a very good team. They played their hearts out this game. Defensively, they were incredible. They had a lot of moments on the counter where it looked like they could have scored. If Neuer wasn't having a uh, 10 out of 10 game today, this result might be different. Alas, Manuel Neuer pulled out some very incredible saves. And uh, after the first goal uh, that Byron scored, uh, the team definitely felt the mental strain and kind of collapsed afterwards. Uh, and it didn't help that the second goal was an own goal. So it really capitulated them. And the next two were in very quick succession. Let me see if I can see the minutes here. All four goals came within 15 minutes. Yikes. And it was the last 15 minutes of the game, really. Oh. So uh, I, I, I will note, uh, I'd like to talk about Julian Nagelsmann's Bayern Munich at this point in time. Special tactics, little things that I noticed. Okay. Uh, Bayern play in a 4-2-3-1. They have for about two and, two and a half, three years now. And they play fourth back. In this case, it was Luis Hernandez. Uh, Dio Upmacano, uh, Niklas Sula, and Benjamin Pavard with two uh, number eights. In this case, it was Marcel Sabitzer and uh, the other guy. Right, yeah, the other guy. Marcel Sabitzer and Joshua Kimmich, of course. Uh, Joshua. Yes, Joshua. Uh, a, and, then, and then really like a, a, a hodgepodge of top four uh, left being Kingsley Coman, the attacking midfielder being Thomas Muller, Leo Zane making up a wing, and Robert Lewandowski making up the striker. In this case, what they did was they pushed Benjamin Pavard, the right back, way, way, way up, all the way up to the offense. He never, he had zero defensive duties this game. He didn't do anything on the back line. They pushed Niklas Zula over to the right because he's had experience as a right back. Dio Upmakano was the main defensive center back, and Lucas Hernandez was the left-sided center back. They pushed Leroy Zane all the way over to the center left. And he would drop back and be a creative force while uh, Thomas Muller and Marcel Sabitzer would push forward. So what you get is this 3 two, uh, five formation or maybe even 3-1-6 depending on how aggressive Bayern were attacking where Leroy Zane and Kingsley Coman were hugging the left and Kingsley Coman was pushed basically up to the sideline because he they're like that's his bread and butter is these just straight line runs all the way down to the touch line and then he, he's got some tricky once overs to get by the defense and whip across or a shot into the 18. And Leroy Zane was this guy that would uh, drop back, take a ball, punt it upfield, or move it along, or create a play himself. He was really like the main engine this game, which is something I hadn't seen from him because his start at Bayern has been so slow. And so uh, seeing him uh, be the driving force and not maybe Joshua Kimmich or Marcel Sabitzer as he was at RB Leipzig, uh, it was it was very something I hadn't seen from Bayern. And because of that, uh, I think the roles shifted around and you didn't see too much of Thomas Muller this game. 
Uh, he, he usually occupies that center space, uh, as the, as the Germans put it, the Raumdeuter. And he, because of that, he played outside of his usual purview and he was taken off. I mean, really just a totally great performance from both sides. Benfica, uh, had a game plan. They stuck to it. They, they, they could have pulled it off. If, if you were to go back and play this game again, run like a thousand simulations, I think they went like 400 of them. It really was good from them. Bayern Munich, uh, you know, they had two disallowed goals at that point. They were seething, really wanting to put one past the net, uh, and they did. And it really shows that Bayern, uh, especially this year and last year, are gearing up for another Champions League run. They simply are the ideal club for European soccer uh, to me. They are mentally very strong. They have a complete squad. And I think they'll make it to the final if I have to deliver a hot take here. Maybe not a hot take, maybe a, a medium to sizzling take. Do they have any weaknesses that you can pinpoint? So the optimal starting 11 is like, there really isn't any weakness there. You've got <clears throat> Nicholas Zula, who's this tough center back, and Dario Bacano, who is like the ball playing center back. But they both like trade off a lot. And then Lucas Hernandez is really also a center back because Alfonso Davies usually takes the left back spot. And he's that quick Canadian that always uh, uses the speed to his advantage. Uh, Benjamin Pavard is the lock. In the backup, though, uh, who is Bunasar, not great. Not a great backup right back. So that's definitely, uh, I guess one of the weaknesses is uh, the rotation that Bayern will eventually have to employ with the domestic cup games, with the league games, with the Champions League games. Um, they're going to have to put Bunisar on at some point. Uh, Thomas Muller, you know, he's 32. We're going to have to uh, get him at like some sort of cast if he wants to uh, keep going because I I just don't see him being a player with a lot more longevity. Uh, and in terms of attacking midfielders, maybe that's the one thing they're super short on. They've got midfielders for sure. Quarantine, Taliso, Mark Roca is a uh, sub in, but a solid like number 10. Maybe not. But uh, Julian Nagelsmann really hasn't played in a way that suggested that they need that guy yet. And they, and, uh, they, they, they haven't necessarily replaced Thiago, who's gone to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And they have Jamal Musiala. I totally forgot about him. Uh, 18-year-old you know, wonder kid, just committed to the German national team, plays for the, essentially the club version of the German national team. And, uh, really just an electric player. You should watch this kid play. It's really, he's this lanky guy, but he's so quick and he's so tricky and he's got such great first touch. He, he's like a great all around player who can still has so much potential to slide into really any position in the midfield of the offense. So Robert Lewandowski, they're going to have a tough time replacing him too. He's 31. So he's probably got three more years, four more years. Yeah. I thought the double left winger, uh, that, 
strategy that Byron were employing was super interesting. I'd really never seen something like that before. But a bit about Benfica briefly. A lot of our listeners probably don't watch Benfica because a lot of people don't watch the Portuguese league. But you'll know some players. Uh, Otamendi, former defender for Manchester City, was the center back, uh, the main center back for Benfica with Jan Vertonghen. Former Tottenham defender was the left-sided center back uh, today. And Julian Weigel, uh, occasional cameo from the German national team, former defensive center midfielder for uh, Borussia Dortmund, was on Benfica's side today. A really solid player, kind of fell off in the coaching shifts that uh, Dortmund underwent and so went to Benfica for better playing time. Rafa Silva had a great game. He was super tricky, super physical very fast and had a couple of good chances. And lastly, there was Roman Yarmachuk. He's a Ukrainian striker that played on Benfica's side. He also had several good chances. They just couldn't put it past Neuer, who had uh, several very good saves. And if I, I'm sure uh, when the stats eventually come out, he'll have roughly a half a goal to a goal of XG that he saved that game. So really a good game from him. Any closing thoughts on any of the games? Uh, no, I think that was a quick run-through. I hope it's less than 40 minutes. All right. Well, we'll be back this weekend. Well, we'll be recording again this weekend to talk about the yeah. Premier League fixtures. Yep, I'll be back in town, and everything will be super-duper great. <laughs> That's my fancy uh, journalist speak for... Real cool. Wow. Uh, well, you heard it here first. Everything <laughs> will be real cool this weekend. I think Champions League will go great. I think the group state, the groups are kind of cemented now with three games in, and we'll see if any surprises uh, happen. But yeah, I'll be back in Brooklyn uh, next week. So, I mean, this Saturday. So, very excited to be back and. Then you'll have better audio. Yay. Yay. Hopefully some good results this weekend. Uh, Liverpool is playing Man U, if I'm not correct. That's right. All right. That's right. It's the big game. It's you, the, hey, it's the big game. Feeling confident? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Liverpool are the better team, but Manchester United have that thing where they sometimes just win. And if it happens that game, it will be severely detrimental to the season. So if this is a statement game and it needs to be like a one to zero or like a two to zero game and nothing else. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck and I will see you on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I am excited to be back and excited to be in another episode. What, what, what? We need, we need the horn. The outro should be the recorder version of the Champions League. just like the real thing (laughs) oh god
Beautiful. You just cut me off there with the outro. Yeah, I did. <laughs>